Well, today we are very excited to have two friends join us for our podcast. Heidi and Tiffany are here. Good friends of Bayside. They've been at our Thrive Women's Conference and they have some incredible work that we're excited to talk about today. But just in a way to introduce them to you, I'm going to introduce Heidi and then Lisa's going to introduce Tiffany. Um, And it's fun because we're all together, which hasn't always been the case in this season. So welcome, you guys. Glad you're here. Yes, so glad you're here. Okay, Heidi. Heidi White, my friend here. Um, You are the Church Relations Director with um, Defending the Cause, which we're going to talk about more. Mm -hmm. But, okay, you majored in sociology in college. And I'm reading your bio here. I'm just going to read it. Um, You began your career at Koinonia Family Services. Sounds like where you worked for four years and then um, felt a call to ministry and joined the staff at Bayside, which is where we met, which I Mm -hmm. love. Um, You were our Women's Student Life Director at Thrive School, which is awesome. Um, And then you have transitioned back to this work, which I love. Uh, And your favorite thing in life is to see people encounter Jesus through discipleship Mm -hmm. um, and walk alongside people as they pursue God and their call on His life. So... Um, your passion for foster care and adoptions began when you were 15, which yes, I know we yeah. will hear more yes. about. Um, and currently you feel called to help connect the heart of the Father with the hearts and homes of the church, which yeah. is so beautiful. Oh, I love that. I love that. Glad you're here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Excited yeah. to be here and excited to be in person. Yes, yes I know. Too. Feels good. Yeah. And also joining us today is Tiffany Loeffler, and she's the Executive Director of Defending the Cause. Tiffany became passionate about advocating for vulnerable kids in 2010 after a trip she took to Haiti. Um, Over the next seven years, she and her husband, Matt, returned to Haiti many times leading short-term mission trips, but also launching a local-based orphan care ministry um, at their church. She is a church ministry coach for the Christian Alliance for Orphans, and out of her passion for unity and collaboration, she founded Defending the Cause Regional Alliance in 2016. Oh my goodness. She believes that every child deserves a family who loves them, and that we're all called to make a difference for the kids and families that are struggling around us. Tiffany and Matt have two amazing kids, James, who's 14, and Lori, 16, who were adopted in Haiti in 2017 after a miraculous six-and-a-half-year adoption process, oh, Yes, which we will also look forward to hearing oh about today. Um, but before wow. we uh, join our conversation, can you tell us a little bit, Tiffany, about defending how Defending the Cause began Absolutely. and just your vision for networking churches, nonprofit agencies? to partner with the common cause of protecting kids and strengthening families. Absolutely. Thanks, Lisa. Um, Defending the cause was kind of God's journey of faith for me. Um, In 2012, um, my husband and I had been leading missions teams to Haiti for about two years at that point, and we were in the process of doing our international adoption. And so um, it was kind of interesting because I felt like I hit a a midlife crisis at 28. (laughs) It was early. Let's hope that wasn't midlife. (laughs) Right, right. It was just the crisis of purpose for me. It was saying, what do I do with my life? I'm done with school. I've married my best friend. We bought our first house. We had two dogs. Like it was kind of like that American (laughs) dream minus the kids so far. Um, And I just felt this stirring in my heart. And so um, we had the privilege of going to two very um, 
prominent conferences that year, um, the Orphan Summit, which was hosted down in LA at Saddleback Church. And then we went up to um, Portland and got to go to the Justice Conference. Mm -hmm. And so the blending of those two worlds of fighting for justice and needing mentors and needing advocates for youth and for families, combined with this brokenness of homes um, globally and locally with the foster care system Mm -hmm. and international orphanages, I really brought all of that home and said, there's something each one of us as believers can do. We're all called to this field. Um, Mm. We are all going to be asked when we go to heaven, um, what did you do for the least of these? And we all get to answer that. And that's a get to, not a have to, as long as we're pursuing that in our faith and in our walk with God. And so um, Defending the Cause church-based ministry started in 2012 with a desire to have everyone at our church have something they could do from the kids ministry all the way to the seniors and the retired community. Mm. And so, we had all different avenues um, going on with mentoring and respite nights where we would watch foster and adoptive kids so parents could take a night off. Mm. Um, We had monthly prayer ministry, all sorts of different ways to engage our community and our congregation. And so um, it was probably about four years in um, that I started noticing two repetitive challenges um, or kind of themes that were coming up as I created relationships with agencies and nonprofits around our county here in Placer, as well as helped launch church based ministries at a few other churches in the greater Sacramento region. Mm. Um, Number one challenge was that there was not a lot of collaboration going on and groups either didn't have any idea what others were doing or they were in direct competition because all of these organizations need people as volunteers or families, um, or they need donors to help their programs run. Um, and so there was this kind of dog-eat-dog world in mm. the faith-based realm that mm. I didn't know existed. We know that kind of businesses compete, and that sure. creates a healthier environment for us as consumers usually, lowers prices and makes things more available. But I had no idea that existed in the nonprofit or the church realm, and it does. And so I was, I was moved by that. And then I also realized that a lot of the leaders I had met with um, that worked at foster agencies or nonprofits that serve vulnerable youth had some church wounds. Mm-hmm. And so I dance around this topic lightly because I love <laughs> churches and church leaders are always, they have the best of intentions, but sometimes partnering with um, parachurch organizations is challenging. Um, and sometimes churches kind of move on to the next best thing and, and move on to different groups that they partner mm. with. And sometimes even it's hard for people within a church that feel called to do something or, or bringing something to their own church um, don't get that platform like somebody outside the church does. Mm. And so I was just noticing that. And so started gathering together leaders around our region. Um, and we started just drawing it out on a whiteboard. What would it look like if we all worked together? What mm. would it look like if churches Beautiful. and agencies and nonprofits, all of us were around the same tables and in the same field, wanting the same things mm. for vulnerable kids and families. So that's really what birthed Defending the Cause Regional Alliance. Wow. Love it. Wow. Uh, Heidi, mm-hmm. got a question for you. Um, how have you seen God's work? I mean, obviously this work that you do, we just heard the passion, where that came from, how it was built. And I know we'll hear more of what that looks like, but how has this work in your life and ministry, how have you experienced God preparing you for this? Um, how are you seeing the lives and communities transformed through what you're doing and just any stories you would want to share along those lines? Yeah. So much. Um, so how have I seen God prepare me? I think, so you mentioned earlier at 15, I, I wanted yeah. to be a foster care social worker. And so I was, I had an interaction with a neighbor, um, two little boys that I watched that really um, opened my eyes and really broke my heart for yeah. kids in vulnerable situations. And so 
I decided, and I wasn't following the Lord at the time, so I decided mm-hmm. I'm very justice-driven. You mentioned Justice Conference, and I was like, this is wrong, and this should be right. And so I had this passion, yeah. um, but it was kind of um, coming out of a place of that's broken and kind of just looking towards it and judging it. The system, mm-hmm. the system's broken. I wrote my senior paper on, like, you know, the 15 ways it's All failing the, the 15-year-old. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, maybe 17 at that point. My senior yeah. project was for foster care. Um, I went to school at Sac State for sociology. Wow. And then I did, I was an adoptions clerk for two years um, because you need a master's for sociology. I got a bachelor's, and I was looking at what was next. And so I was a clerk. Um, and then after two years of that, I realized I love people. So I'm like, I went to the group home for two years, and I mm-hmm. loved that. Um, and in that time, the Lord really got a hold of my heart. And I fell in love with Jesus and realized that like Jesus is the hope of the world. And, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden, um, I just felt like all I want to do is this freedom and hope that he has given me. All I want to do is give that to other people. And so I entered Thrive School um, actually as an intern for a year um, just to learn right. and grow. And um, in that time, realized that discipleship, I'm very passionate about it and love seeing people encounter hope and freedom. And so spent the last six years on staff doing that. But on that journey, God started to remind me of this original thing he mm. put in me. What's crazy is he put it in me before I was serving him. Yeah. And so like he puts a call on us in the womb yeah. and then we could just choose in our life to walk it out. And so mm-hmm. I look and I go like, even when I was saying no to him, fully knowing, he was still mm. saying yes to his vision in me. Oh, that's um, and so as I'm walking this out, he started just breaking my heart in a way that was tangible. Like I would walk into, and I'm at the time, I was not a crier. I've shifted years <laughs> greatly over the years. It's amazing how that happens, It's amazing right? how that happens. I just wish I could control it. Um, but I'd be like in Starbucks, and someone would say like, oh, yeah, they're adopted. Like, super casual, not a sad story. And I would start crying. Like, tears on my face. And as being a not a crier, I don't... Some people can cry while functioning. And I'm like a non-functional crier. Like, everything stops, so whatever's happening resolves. And so it's, it's disturbing. Um... But in that season, just really, God started showing me I had to really be praying about it. And God just really showed me that He has put this in me, and then He's given me a love for the church. Mm. Like, working here, I'm at such a healthy team and such a great experience, and and just seeing how um, Jesus is the solution, but there's hope. And so I went from just seeing justice and everything that's wrong to everything that could be. That everything that, how God designed it. Like, God started giving me a vision for what could be in the church and what His original design was as we care for, as you're saying, the most vulnerable. Um, and so for me, that was the, and I just started connecting with people and just saying, I felt like it was a season of listen and learn and pray mm-hmm. into it. And on that journey, I met Tiffany and um, heard her vision of church unity and all the things. And it was everything that God had put in my heart. And so I just started volunteering um, with defending the cause. And then now today I get to do this full time mm-hmm. and get to yeah. um, really walk out what I feel God has put in my heart. And so yeah. I love that your hearts are unified around church unity, and mm-hmm. and um, how have you, Tiffany, seen that work well through this model? Oh. So it, it's it's been an adventure. So defending the cause is turning. Oh, let's see, five in April of next year. So we're like four and a half years old, and. We now partner with 52 different organizations around our region. Wow. That's incredible. It's so fun. Um, You know, more than four dozen organizations who are saying, I want to work together and better together than I am apart. And so um, 
we get the opportunity of just creating the time and space for that because everybody who's in ministry, whether it's in the secular realm or in the faith-based and church realm, Mm -hmm. they're passionate about their cause, their purpose. So they're fulfilling it with all that they have, their mm-hmm. their time, their treasure, their intentions, their creativity. Um, what Defending the Cause gets to do is actually give a little bit of the bigger picture. And so we're inviting them in to that bigger picture of what does it look like if we all work together? How do we see our community or what are the gaps that we need to be filling? Um, and so it's been really fun to see that. Um, we've also learned that organizations don't partner together, people do. And so one of the things that we love is creating space and time for organizational leaders to come together. Um, Pre-COVID, it was in person. Right now, it's in in different ways and creative solutions to our current crisis, but absolutely still connecting the dots so that groups can work together. Um, And when they do, it's just beautiful because people's giftings are coming out and they're fulfilling a need they didn't even know about until they connected with another organization. And so that's been huge to see collaboration rising up among all of those groups that we partner with. We also love sharing. Um, We can get into this mindset. And it's interesting because we're caring for kids who are either without um, parents or just going through a crisis in their life. And there's a little bit of that orphan mentality Hmm. that goes along. And and orphan mentality is is survival mode and and protecting myself and hoarding what I have because I don't know when I'm going to get more. And the longer people and organizations work in this field, sometimes that rubs off even on us as leaders, on even on, mm-hmm. on me. Like there's times where I'm like I, preserving and protecting what I have. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet we really view um, sharing as foundational to what Defending the Cause stands for. And so we're starting to see that with more of our organizations. So if they have a surplus of volunteers, they're sending them to other projects. They have a surplus yeah. of supplies um, or they got more than they needed. They're calling up to see who else needs it. Um, some fun examples is um, when COVID hit, um, one of the organizations, Acres of Hope, they house single moms um, in our area who were experiencing homelessness. Well, they had needs for food and diapers and wipes. And instantly, two of our other organizations that we partner with Mm. provided boxes of food Mm. um, from Hope's Anchor and then Sierra Pregnancy and Health provided diapers and wipes. And they're sharing resources. And they feel like they're they're moving towards the same mission of those kids and those families being provided for and protected. That's amazing. You're a mobilizer, aren't you? Yes. Yes, you are. Um, yes, she's as well. It's not a bad thing. That's great. Right. And I think, I feel like in this season, that's what God is doing right now. You know, we are better together. And uh, that's incredible. Any challenges you want to speak about? This concept. Zero, none, uh, yeah, I'm sure. It's really, really easy to run a nonprofit. No. <laughs> oh, it's... Um, It's been a challenge in the sense that I love to do things that I'm good at. And I'm sure that there's plenty of other people that are like that. You know, I'm sticking to my lane. And and educationally, I'm a physical therapist. I do outpatient orthopedic rehab really well for my patients who've had car accidents or surgeries or have pain in their bodies. Like, I'm trained to do that. Um, This idea of working and helping organizations come together and and mobilizing churches isn't what I'm educated on other than experiential and lots and lots of of training conferences and other things. But I feel like moving into a space where um, the enemy would really like to tell me I'm not qualified Mm -hmm. um, 
and God keeps saying, you're more than qualified because I'm with you throughout all of it has been huge. Um, I think one of the other challenges is that um, this is a new concept. We were one of the first regional alliances in the nation. Um, There's now only, I think there's now 26 of them that exist in different parts of the United States. And so Mm -hmm. this is kind of a, it's a challenge. If if collaboration was easy, everyone would be doing it. Sure. You're bringing together. It's like it's like the family holidays where you have to like you have your 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 random you know Uncle Steve and then yeah. you have like all of these people. You're gathering together because you have a common bond of family, but everybody comes with a different personality. We're gathering together organizations with the common bond of wanting to protect kids and strengthen families, but they have different mindsets. They have different beliefs and values. They have different ways that they go about recruiting volunteers or or engaging the community, and we're all wanting them to sit at the same table, and so meeting people and organizational leaders where they're at and then inviting them to be a part of the bigger picture mm. is is really good, but it can mm. pose some challenges. I'm sure you've already thought about this, but you are a physical therapist and I see this, that is what you're doing in the system. You are rehabbing. You are taking broken, you know, injured agencies and churches and bringing people together to strengthen them. That's what a physical therapist says. You're a spiritual therapist. Oh, thank you, Lisa. Yeah, just saw that. Mm. Oh, just casual, just something I wanted to mention. Yeah, Lisa. No, it's so great. I was going to ask you too, I mean, yes, this ministry that you're running, the nonprofit, the challenge is there, but if you take it personal for a Mm. bit, um, just thinking of you as women and Christ followers and really you are living this path and leaning into this call that God's placed on your life. What have you learned about yourself or really what has God shown you about yourself mm-hmm. through this work um, or just any insights? I know Lisa just shared her insight for your life, Tiffany. <laughs> no, but just, I think we all lean into this life in front of us in one way or another and a, and a unique call that God has on you. But yeah, yeah what have you learned about yourself through that? Yeah, go Um, for it. What about, I feel like there's so much. I think, I think that the, for me, probably in this season is just that um, in order to move into hard things, you have to be willing to be broken. Mm. Um, And, and I think that's me. I'm constantly reminded is that God is our comforter. Like the Holy Spirit is our comforter, but, and to move towards um, what is hard and what is hurting, like it gets on you. There's no way to do this and it's easy. Um, and I would love to tell people that it's just going to be great. You're going to take in this child and there'll be no problems. Um, but it's so beautiful mm. and it's so restorative and it's so healing. Um, but it's also being able to embrace, like for me, I'm more of like a, I'm a very hopeful person. So I'm like, Hey, it's gonna be great. And I want to look at everything. Um, and so I want to avoid the hard things and like the heavy things. And so I'm like, no, no, it's going to be fine. Um, like we're talking about like in January 1st, this is all going to end. Right. COVID is over. And I believe that. Um, and, and so for me, it's just being able to sit in the hard because when I'm walking with people who are sitting in the hard, I can't look at them and just say some cliche thing. I have to sit with them in the grief or the, um, loss and then also celebrate with them in the beauty and in the healing and in the hope. And so I think being willing to, um, do that first in myself, has been the challenge for me of just saying like, I will walk this internally because we're all processing something. We're all in process. And so, um, but I can only give you where I'm like, you only come as far as I have when we're discipling and even with discipleship, like I'm passionate about it, but now I walk with parents and it looks different. And now, you know, um, God has opened up opportunities in that way. And so, yeah, I think that's 
kind of currently what I'm yeah, learning. That's great. Mm-hmm. I've watched you do that with so many people. It just even students. I mean, we've worked mm-hmm. together for such a short window, but students in hard places, you're one of the most patient. I all, I have a visual of you just on a walk with a student. I think sometimes <laughs> you'll look out in our offices and you just see Heidi on a walk with someone. Gosh. But um, yeah, that's really beautiful. Thank mm-hmm. you. Do you have anything you'd want to add? Sure. For me, um, this journey, the Lord keeps um, revealing this word more. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been a gradual more because He never tells us too much. Um, you know, we don't need to know the full picture. We just need to know the next. And so for me, like mm-hmm. during our adoption journey, the more was pursuing an international adoption that was very complicated and complex and had lots of corruption and, and mm-hmm. challenges and yeah. delays. And he kept saying that there's more, there's more for you. There's more for your kids. Um, in launching ministry, it was like, there's more that everyone can do. And so I'm, I'm inviting you to create a space for them to come mm-hmm. and participate. And even with um, the regional Alliance and getting to, to lead that and have amazing team that Heidi and I work with, um, there's just more that God's walking me into. Mm-hmm. Um, he's taking me beyond what I know I could do to things that I never dreamed of doing. Um, he's mm-hmm. taking me into this um, relationship with Him that says, I'm going to come to my end, the end of myself pretty much daily. <laughs> uh, you know, parenting kids from hard places, especially my two, they're both in teenage years now, um, and they have a really rough beginning to life, um, mm-hmm. and they lacked a lot of um, healthy adults around them and um, just basic needs being met when they were in Haiti, and they've only been in the United States now for about three and a half years. And I'm brought to the end of myself, even on a parenting journey daily. And he's like, but there's more. And so I'm constantly reminded that I'm not enough and that he is my enough. And so I just get to keep walking this journey. A picture that he showed me early on in our adoption journey was a a long hallway with lots and lots of doors, um, not a lot of windows. Um, And he's like, you just keep walking forward. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to open some doors. I'm going to keep some of them shut. But as long as you don't reach the end of the hallway, you just keep going. And mm-hmm. so that was this beautiful reminder to keep going through our six and a half year adoption. But it's been also this beautiful reminder in ministry where, like Heidi said, this is the broken. It's also the beautiful. It's this blend of mm-hmm. both um, where we're bringing healing and restoration, but that never comes without us getting down to that level of brokenness in the one that we're trying to minister to, um, whether it's a child in our home or somebody that we're mentoring in the community or the neighbor next door whose marriage is falling apart. Right. Um, this is absolutely where we keep walking forward until he opens doors or changes our direction. Right, right. How do you keep from being overwhelmed by the amount of brokenness? Because we're talking, you know, orphans, families, mm-hmm. divorce, you know, oh, it's a big. pandemic that mm-hmm. sh- that has really brought brought a lot of that mm-hmm. to the surface. How have you stayed encouraged and not being mm. so overwhelmed by the problems that you see? I would say two things. Um, numbers are big and we kind of tune out to big numbers. So when we hear that there's over 400,000 kids in the foster care system nationally or that 100,000 of them are like eligible for adoption, they've been fully relinquished by their families or even in our region, there's over 3,000 kids in foster care. Like those 
those can numb us very quickly yeah. because we can't solve the 400,000 or even the 3,000. Um, and so I feel like the one thing that I go back to is that um, the statistic that's my very favorite is that the greatest predictor of success for any child is the presence of just one stable, loving adult mm-hmm. in their lives. Love and that. I can be that one yeah. for my kids. Heidi can be that one for the girls that she mentors and her um, her CASA, mm-hmm. which she gets to, to do. Um, but when we show up as one and we know that we're making the difference for that other one, um, that really helps significantly mm-hmm. for me. And then um, just internally, I think um, as we journey this self-care and plugging into God on a daily basis yeah. with quiet times and, and being in scripture, that, <laughs> that also significantly yeah. revitalizes my soul mm-hmm. so that I can go back and into what they call the fields of the fatherless. Right, um, right. That is really hard. Jesus certainly models that, right? He mm-hmm. he didn't heal everyone, mm-hmm. we, and but he did make it known that he went after one. Yes. So that's beautiful. Uh, Heidi, I think about, um, I know the church has a big responsibility to solving this these numbers that you were just talking about, yeah. especially right now. How do you, how do you mobilize the church? to understand the, the biblical mandate for caring for our orphans. Yeah. It's not just, oh, I get that, Heidi, because you're justice, you were a sociology major, you, that's just you, like I can see why you fell into that. But, but why is there more for us as a church yeah. to be paying attention to what our peace is when it comes yeah. to strengthening families and adoption? Well, I think this, this is the Father's heart. Like this is like the most vulnerable is who he goes after. Like James one twenty seven is looking after the orphan and the widow, and and so I think when we look in scripture and when we lean in and listen, like when we hear his heart, right? We this is where it, it leads us um, so often. And there's so many that are vulnerable, but I really believe that, like Tiffany said earlier, everybody has a part to play. Like Tiffany has two children in her home from another country. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm single, I don't have any kids in my home, but I have a, I have a CASA who's a youth that I mentor and go to court with. And, um, and I help parents, like when a, a single mom gets a child in her home, who's a foster child, like recently in, in Sacramento, I can drop something off for her, some clothes or some. Um, and so everybody, whether you're taking a child into your home and you're like, or, or you're not maybe a sociology major, right. um, has a role in this because this is, this is the heart of the father. And Psalms 68 says that he sets the lonely in families. Like it doesn't say group homes or orphanages. Mm-hmm. And, and scientifically, wow. those don't work. Like, by, like the, the science shows that kids don't find healing from trauma in group homes. That's why they, in 2015, they passed a law shutting them down. And they're still trying to shut them down in California, but they haven't been able to because basically there's no spot for them to go. Um, but when I look at the church, I think of John 1 5, which says light shines in the darkness and the darkness hasn't overcome it. And I just think that this is our opportunity to be light. Like we are pro-life and pro-life is, is not like taking the life of your child, but it's also right. saying, bring me that child, mm-hmm. like bring me that child. That's pro-life. And that's the opportunity that we have. And I believe that as a church, as we stand in this, um, the world will see it and the world is looking for hope. Mm-hmm. They're looking for life. They're looking for love. They're looking for something different for light. Um, and so I really believe that this is not just, it is a responsibility for us as believers, mm-hmm. but I also believe it's one of the greatest opportunities mm-hmm. that we have to really be light into our community. To evangelize. To evangelize. Yeah. And it's more mm-hmm. than, I'm very passionate about foster care and adoptions, and that's kind of the drum that I bang all the time. And Tiffany and I, <laughs> uh, for the first year, she would say, vulnerable kids and families. And I would say, yes, 
foster care and adoptions because that's just what I heard. <laughs> um, on this journey though, and Tiffany's really helped me with this, I've come to understand that there's like prevention like a single mom, how do we keep families strong so they don't mm. fall apart? How do we go up a river? And then there's support. How do we mentor? How do we be that one single adult who's gonna help this child? And so there's this full spectrum of ways that the church can wrap around and, and in doing that, helping that single mom or helping that teenager, you're also helping the fatherless because mm -hmm. they could also end up in that space. Um, so I believe as the church, this is, yeah, this is just, this is our time and this is our opportunity and I think as the as the the world is becoming more aware, I've seen a lot more lately in movies, and then mm. there was the foster family one oh, recently. Yeah. Um, okay. So I think it's something that's raising to the conscience of everybody. Is like this yeah. is not okay. California has the highest amount of kids in care in the nation, and no one talks about it. Hmm. Like someone has to be like, this is this is not okay. <laughs> like what is happening to our kids in our own backyard is not okay. Um, and as we do, mm. my prayer is that as a church, we would be able to stand and say uh, and open our doors um, because that's. That's what we're called to. That's who we are um, as, as believers, as followers of Christ, and as ones that have the Spirit of God in us to bring that comfort um, and to step into hard places. And, and so for me, I'm, I'm very passionate about like, equipping families to succeed well, because I think when families have the right tools, um, they can really, like trauma trainings and different things, um, the church can support them so that they don't burn out in the end. Um, half of families quit in the first year, and so really helping yeah. them long term. But hmm. yeah, I think that definitely this is our time to shine our as the time church. To shine, yeah, mm -hmm. I love that. And we can't give what we haven't received, and I feel like that's mm -hmm. another specific call for God's people because we've all been grafted into this big family, mm -hmm. God's family. We've been given, I mean, not all of us have the privilege of growing up in a stable, loving home yeah. um, because of divorce rates and, and just relational challenges. Um, some kids had it harder than other kids. Mm -hmm. um, but yet when we come to the church, this is a place of love and acceptance. And he says, you belong here. You have an identity here um, right. because we're part of God's family. And so then we can give family to others. And it does become this beautiful picture of the gospel. Right, right. I think so much when it comes to just our own discipleship journey and maturing, and part of that is stepping out and actually doing what Jesus called us to do, which is being compassion and, you know, caring for the lost and the least of these and the vulnerable. I mean, that's part of our call and where we grow the most and where we experience, I think, Jesus the most is when we're being his hands and feet for sure. Wow. Well, you, there may be people listening who you've just said a lot that, I mean, I've never heard a lot of what you just said. So I'm still processing, you know, stats you shared about California and even, um, yeah, just what that looks like to stand in the gap for a vulnerable kid. But what would you say to encourage those listening on both sides? Maybe they've been thinking about this and want to get involved locally. I mean, we're speaking to our context, which we all live in Northern California and kind of what that state looks like. But if you're listening from another place, how can you get involved in this work? And then maybe those that have really just heard this for maybe the first time, what are just some next practical steps for people? Uh, I want to echo, I think what Heidi said, that he's writing each of our stories from birth. He's created us in the families of origin that we have. He's built in relationships with mm -hmm. positive mm -hmm. people who have influenced us. We all can look back and write that short list of, you know, mm -hmm. three or four other women who have really yeah. taken the time and intentionality to speak into our lives and make us the women that we are now. Um, that the two 
whom much is given, much is required. And I feel like mm-hmm. in this season, like we just get to be, like Heidi also said, light and hope and life to other people. And there's there's parts of our story relationally that are meant to be served in loving and relating well with other yeah. people. And I think as a woman, there's something that he designed in our hearts specifically Um to nurture children. Um, mm-hmm. Even if we don't have our own children, I don't have any birth children. Heidi doesn't yet have any birth children. Like, I don't know if that's part of God's plan for my life, um, but there's this desire to protect and to stand in the gap. They, they say there's no animal more dangerous than any mama between her, you know, cub <laughs> and a danger, yeah. you know? And so it's like, we get to be that as women, yeah. we get to be defenders and protectors when we actually look at our lives and say, I am so thankful for the people who were standing up for me at different ages mm-hmm. of my life. And I I get to be that for those kids that don't have a voice yet or haven't haven't uh, just experienced the protection of somebody who's so for them. I think um, as people want to engage with this, this is such a call on the church everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, As an organization, Defending the Cause has an incredible church coaching program. Mm -hmm. Um, So we invite church staff members and lay leaders into this conversation where we learn about your church, we learn about the culture that you have, and then we help you see how God's design for protecting vulnerable kids fits into your context Mm -hmm. and how to live that out. And we give you all of the tools and um, we walk with you on that journey. So if anybody wants to reach out, to us for church coaching. Um, We'd love to do that. We also are constantly um, sharing ways to help kids and families in our community Mm -hmm. and beyond. And so um, checking out our website or our newsletter or our social media is a great place for people who are interested but not sure what to do yet. So good. Anything else you'd want to share, Heidi, before we wrap up? Uh, I think on that note, I would say don't get caught up in what you think it should look like Mm -hmm. as well, because I think we all have this idea of... um, I'll just go foster or I will adopt or I will do nothing. And I would say there's so much in between um, and we really don't know what God is going to have. And so just taking that, like you said, taking that next step, like step outside your front door, check on your neighbor. Like there are so many things um, I think just, and be really prayerful about it. Like when we ask God for opportunities, it's amazing. He always wants to give us opportunities. Like he is an invitational God, always inviting us into his heart and into more. And so I would say just really um, pray about it too. And, and don't get caught in what you think it should look like Mm -hmm. because it's so often different and so much better right like tiffany said it's more i would think too just there's vulnerable children in our neighborhoods right Mm -hmm. in in our kids soccer teams and you know they're in our community and so just maybe be a little bit more aware of who god's placed right in front of you to begin praying for and loving on inviting to you know the the camps the breakaways church christmas Mm -hmm service. I mean, it can obviously run through some of the great organizations that we have, but it also can run right through you mm-hmm. and that influence that God's given you. So yeah. yeah, really good. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for joining us today, you guys. You're doing very important work. Very important work. <laughs> Absolutely. Which you already know, but yeah, yeah, just thanks for what you're doing and yeah. your presence in our community and helping the church. It's mm-hmm. great. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much. Wonderful getting to connect with you guys.